Father, we want to just say thank you. We want to praise your name for the things that you do, for answer to prayers, for guidance, for, Lord, allowing our church to exist these years and to meet uh, simply according to the Bible with no uh, fancy plans and all of these kind of things the world tells us we need. We thank you that you work according to your word. And, Lord, that you bless us, you give us strength, you you, everything we do, Lord, you, is all about you. And, Lord, we thank you that it is about you and not about us. And, Lord, we just want to praise your name for being so good and kind and patient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ye kids, be dismissed. And the rest of us, let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And uh, some of the most often quoted verses of the Bible is John 14. And uh, let's just read John 14 verse 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now, there have been many, many, many times I have heard this verse quoted out of context. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, uh, Sean Hannity quotes that verse all the time on his talk. It's one of the reasons I don't listen anymore. Uh, I get tired of hearing... Uh, Bible taken out of context. Uh, there was a reason Jesus used these words. And uh, we, uh, we want to, and, and just where we are, how many of you have had a troubled heart this week? Uh, how many of you have had things that have weighed down on you? I mean, that's just part of life, is it not? Trying to figure out how we're going to do things. Trying to figure out... Uh, 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 the news media just loves what's going on, you know, with North Korea and all of that. And they're so afraid that Trump's going to blow us up. And, and uh, you need to pray for our president. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I like what he did say. He said, Bush didn't do anything. Obama didn't do anything. Clinton didn't do anything. Well, maybe he's going to do something. You better pray. And, uh, but the thing that we can't have is this little madman threatening the world, uh, to destroy the, uh, to destroy the world, to incite nuclear war. We just, we just need to pray as a people. There's an awful lot to let your heart get troubled about. And, uh, yet here Jesus is telling the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. And we know through the Bible we're supposed to trust the Lord. Uh, perfect peace uh, have they whose mind is stayed on thee. Uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, nothing shall offend those that love his law. In Psalm 119, I mean, there's verses all through the Bible, and yet we struggle with this. And, and so what I'd like for us to do is just spend a little time context here and then jump to a few other verses here to see if we can get some of that encouragement and some of that strength so that we can truly and honestly deal with a troubled heart. 
Amen. And so let's go back to get the context here. And uh, we go back to uh, John chapter 13 and verse 33. Jesus is speaking. This is the night he is going to be betrayed. The, the horrors of the cross are about to start. And in verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. So Jesus says, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And uh, Peter is, verse 36, uh, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Now, that's not what he told the Jews. He told the Jews, Where I'm going, you cannot come. Why? Because they were not saved. They would not believe that he was the Christ. They would not have salvation, even though Jesus gladly was offering it to them. But when he tells those same things to his disciples, he said, You can't come now, but you are going to come one day. You are going to join me. And Peter is not getting it here. And he says, listen, I'm ready to die. And Jesus tells him, before the sun comes up in the morning, you're going to, three times, you're going to deny that you even know me. Now, that was so far removed from Peter's understanding of life. He, he couldn't imagine denying his Lord. And yet, we know the story, don't we? We know that Peter did that. And the Bible then goes, Look at. let's just read verse 38. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now, sometimes we get those chapter divisions there and we get those things in the way. But he is telling Peter, you are going to fail. This is going to be the number one failure of your life. You are going to fall so flat on your face. You're going to remember it to your dying day. But let not your heart be troubled. You know, the answer to everything we face, what's it say? You believe in God. Believe also in me. You know, you're not going to face a problem that that will not solve. Even your own failures. I mean, praise God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And if you'll read the rest of the chapter, that had not happened yet. That's why Peter uh, had this massive failure. But the, the Bible says, uh, as we read on, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, that's part of the promise, that this life in which we live is a temporary situation. 
that it's only going to be so long. It's not even going to be a blink of the eye compared to eternity. And so the number one situation that you and I must resolve, the number one issue, is do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you saved? You have that resolved. Every other issue in life resolves itself. Amen? It just doesn't feel that way sometimes. And as we look here, Jesus is saying, listen, in my Father's house are many mansions. And uh, you look that up in one of those newfangled Bibles and it says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Uh, there's a difference between a mansion and a room. Amen? Uh, there, there is uh, a, an idea here of an incredible living space. But before you get too much of an idea of how much you're going to enjoy your living space, read Revelation 4 and 5. Uh, we're not going to be spending very much time anywhere except around the throne. Can we say amen to that? Because... Heaven is about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus then says, Whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Now, here's where things start getting a little fuzzy in the disciples' minds. They said, okay, you're going to prepare a place for us. You're going to the Father's house. We understand that that's talking about heaven and you're going to prepare a place for us and just something to think about is this entire universe in which we live was done in six days by the spoken word of God. These words were spoken of by Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago. What is that place going to look like? Well, if we had time tonight, we'd go to Revelation chapter 20, 21, 22 and talk about the New Jerusalem because that's the place. And uh, they pave the streets with gold. But that gold is unlike anything we know on earth. The Bible says the gold of, those, of that city is transparent like unto glass. Now, the... The best gold that you can get on earth is 24 carats. And uh, it's very soft. You can bend it. You can break it. They, they, use, they must, if you're going to uh, wear it in jewelry and things, normally they mix it with other metals so it's a little less bendable. I remember when I got married, I asked my wife, I said, please do not get 14 carat. It won't last. Uh, because I knew I'd be working as a bus mechanic and a bunch of, and I've been, and I've bent this one. And, and it's 10. It's got a lot of other stuff mixed in there to keep it from bending, but, uh, that's just life. But imagine gold, so pure, that you could see through it. And where's the light of that city? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Brother Michael, remember this, we put the uh, lights in the ceilings there and uh, it cast 
the weirdest shadows. I mean, it just looked like somebody had drawn X's on the walls until we put the diffusers up. And when we put those little screens on those LED lights, all of a sudden, all the shadows disappeared. Now, the reason I bring that up is I want you to think about the streets of that city are going to be huge diffusers of light. The light of God's glory is going to pass through them and as it does anything transparent and is going to be reflected all over heaven. And remember the walls are precious stones. The gates are pearls. You, you couldn't, we cannot, the human mind cannot comprehend the beauty that is going to be there as God's glory is going. There will be no dark corners in the New Jerusalem. There will be no lights in any of the rooms because the glory of God will penetrate every sector. I'll tell you what. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he wasn't just saying idle words. And then he said, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Then he says, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas speaks up. And we call him Doubting Thomas, but he's not doubting here. He's just asking a question. He says, okay, uh, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how in the world are we going to find it? Uh, Brother, oh, the missionary was here this morning. Pranger, I kept wanting to say Prater, but that's one of the singers in the quartet. But uh, Brother Pranger uh, said, I, I, I drove in New York City for the first time. And I'm sitting there going, welcome to, the, uh, welcome to our world, right? And it wasn't as bad as I thought. And uh, 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 we drove right around the corner on 32nd Street, I mean 36th Street, looking for a parking spot. And I, I said, I'll just give you the spot the church van's in. And lo and behold, there was a spot right there. I said, can you parallel park, brother? He said, would you mind? <laughs> so I hopped in the car and, and parallel parked it in the spot for him. And, uh, but, you know, when, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to have a road map. Nobody's going to guide us. You won't have to figure out the way. How, what is the way to heaven? Verse 6, if you don't have it memorized, let's, let's read it. Read it out loud together with me. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know how to get to heaven? Just follow Jesus. Get to know Jesus. If you get to know Jesus, you're 
as sure of heaven as if you were already there. You know what the scary thing about knowing Jesus is? Is if you know Jesus, you're not in charge anymore. He is. That's what getting saved is, isn't it? I'll tell you one of the fearful things is when your kids learn how to drive. If you haven't experienced that yet, just just wait. Uh, And uh, just turning over the wheel and saying, okay, you take it. That's one of the nice things about the church van is I don't have to worry about that very much. Uh, uh, They have to be able to drive a car and get a license and a lot of CDL and a lot of other things before they can drive the church van. Uh, the only one that's made it so far is Andrew. And, uh, uh, but the uh, truth of the matter is, when you get saved, you move into the passenger seat of your own life. Jesus is supposed to be driving, isn't he? You see, that's how you're going to know you end up in heaven if the Lord is in control. If he's the one driving. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And yet the greatest struggles we face in this life. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. The greatest struggles we have is trying to instruct Jesus where to take us. Trying to help him understand what we need and where we ought to go. Now, nothing could be more foolish than that, could it? But that's what we do as sinful human beings. Is we try to give God instruction. We try to help him out. And in Hebrews chapter 4, let's just start in verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Now, here's the connection I'm making. Let not your heart be troubled. Have you ever been so troubled that you couldn't get rest? That's not a good thing now, is it? But I'll tell you this. If you've gotten good rest, it's because your heart's not troubled. You've got, if, if people talk about dreams, and this is just me, um, didn't learn this out of any book, but all of this thing about troubled dreams and stuff, that's your brain taking out the trash. Uh, really, it's the simplest way to describe it. And you, you fill your brain full of all kinds of garbage. Let me tell you something. It's going to get spilled through your nightmares and through your rest and through your sleep. If you want to have good rest, You need to deal with this heart being troubled thing. And that's why the Bible tells us here that we are to labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Because there is a rest to a believer. Jesus wants us to rest. We've talked about this so many times. The Sabbath is not the day of worship. Don't let anybody from Jehovah's... With, uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventist and 
any of these other Seventh-day organizations. Sabbath was always a day of worship. Lie, lie. It's never been a day of worship. It's a day of rest. God rested on the seventh day and he hallowed it. And how did you keep the Sabbath? Not by going to synagogue. You kept the Sabbath by resting. That synagogue thing and all of those uh, traditions, they came back much, much, much later. They were well entrenched by the time Jesus walked this earth, but Sabbath was always intended to be a day of rest. How do I live the Sabbath? By entering into his rest. By resting every day. And by the way, if I'm resting, is my heart troubled? Well, no, you can't rest with a troubled heart. We've already been there, haven't we? So, how do we deal? How do we labor to enter into that rest? For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I'll tell you what, I am glad as a Baptist preacher that I can stand up before you and tell you that this kind of examination can happen between you and God without pastoral interference. You know, there's a lot of people that just feel like they have to confess their sins to me. That and a Starbucks card will get you a cup of coffee. Or a subway card will get you a ride on the subway. But it's the Word of God, both written and living. Did you get that personal pronoun that was in there? Him with whom we have to do. That's talking about the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who told the disciples, let not your heart be troubled, is speaking here through the author of the book of Hebrews, telling us, that we need to let this book called the Bible evaluate us. How many of you know, you don't have to raise your hands, but you know the Bible talks about something very negatively that is active in your life at this present moment. That's called sin. The Holy Spirit of God is using this book to convict you and it's time... Uh, what is the world's funny little saying? Denial is not only a river in Egypt, right? We, we deny, we pretend that things don't exist. I've often used this analogy here. The job of a parent is making big things out of little things when your children are little so that when your children get big, you don't have to pretend the big problems in their life are little. And that's really what happens in this world, is it not? 
And oh, I'm not going to make a big deal about Johnny eating his peas and cleaning his room. And, and, and I don't mean to use Johnny. That's just the name that comes to mind. And then when he grows up and doesn't want to listen to the police officer and doesn't want to obey authority and doesn't want to show up at work on time and doesn't want... Uh, we, oh, well, well it just... just uh, it must be one of those millennials. Uh, now, it doesn't work that way, my friend. And you're never going to get peace with God and you're never going to enter into rest until you start allowing the Word of God to deal with the things that are going on in your own heart. You've got to be honest. If you can't be honest before God, where are you going to be honest, my friend? And that's what this past, that's how we labor to enter into the rest that God has for us. How do we get an untroubled mind? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? If we can put these things under His authority, because what's the next verse say? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You'll never go to God with sin and have Him say, I don't understand. No, He's faithful. He's just. Why is He just in forgiving us? Because He paid the price for our sins. Can we say amen to that? You see, let not your heart be troubled. Talking about heaven. Amen? Well, how are we going to enter into that rest? By getting into this book and getting honest with the book and letting the book make us honest with God. Then we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's not a one of us in this auditorium here tonight that couldn't list things that we need God's mercy and grace to solve in our life. Hello? Isn't that true? So how are we going to get there? Are we going to sit there and tell God how to fix everything in our life? Let not your heart be troubled, because Jesus is the way. Get to know Him. Let Him do the driving. And we can come to that throne, the mercy seat in heaven. And we'll find God's mercy and God's grace to help us in a time of need. That's how you get ready for heaven. One more little thought about heaven. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. And we start, and we'll just talk about, uh, just kind of summarize this chapter very quickly. 
Verse 1, after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And we come down to uh, verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. How many of you have heard Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah course? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that still in the right vein, in the right place, will will move you uh, to hear it and, and to listen to it. Uh, uh, the story uh, is that when that was performed the first time in public, the king of England was in the audience. And when he heard that course, he stood, admitting there was a God greater than he was a king far superior to the king of England. And as he stood in reverence to the king, everyone in the room stood. And it has been a tradition from that point to this day that when the Alleluia course is performed in a concert hall, that you're supposed to stand. So if you're ever somewhere and you hear them doing that, stand up. That's what you're supposed to do in reverence to the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. You see, Jesus is the way to heaven. He wants us to rest every day between here and heaven. Resting on Him and His finished work. Resting upon the authority of His word as to what is right and wrong. Resting in the grace and mercy from His throne to get us through every time of need and every struggle we face in this life. we say amen to that? And one of these days, let's look at verse 11. Heaven's going to open. And verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was faith, called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth make judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now, we, we heard about that this morning. What's he going to do with that name that nobody knows but he himself? He's going to write it upon his pillars in the temple. Upon those Christians that were faithful and true to him in this life. Amen? And... Uh, and so, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, with that it, I'm sorry, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
This is talking about the battle of Armageddon. The beast and the false prophet will be taken alive and cast into the lake of fire. The armies of the world will be slain. And Jesus will set up his thousand year rule and reign over this earth. But the armies of heaven are going to come with him. Guess where we're going to be? We're going to be with the Lord when he comes. The neat thing about being in this army is there's only one soldier that does any fighting. That's the captain. He fights with his spoken word. And what do the armies in heaven do? They just follow. Because the work is all done by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we don't know when the Lord is going to call us to go. We can't follow right now. He's given us life. And he wants us to invest that life in his service. He wants us to take that life and to labor, to enter into his rest. Because one of these days he's coming back to get us and he's going to take us to that place. And he's going to bring us back as the armies of heaven to rule this world in which we live. I don't know about you, but... As an American, there's nothing that boils my blood more than government corruption and abuse of power and all of those things that are constantly happening uh, in in our city, in our government, in our Washington, D.C. The one thing you used to be able to say about America was we didn't have corrupt government. We as God's people need to pray. The reason you have corrupt governments, you have corrupt people in it. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. We need to clean up the people, and the people will clean up the government. Amen? But that only happens when you get serious and honest between you and God. And that's always been the answer. If my people who are called by my name. That's who God's message is to. You're not going to straighten out, straighten up all that out there. That's not your job. But if you'll let God straighten up all that's in here, He'll take care of all that mess out there. Can we be a little encouraged about that? Can, can we get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we ask Him to help us not to allow our heart to be so troubled by everything that's going on around us? The answer is getting to know Jesus a little better. Amen? The answer is getting in that Word and letting it examine us and straighten us out. Dealing with our high priest so that when we come to him, we'll be praying for the right things. Then we can look forward to Revelation chapter 19. You see, there's one thing that really makes being in an active war zone very scary. You can get killed. 
I know that's an amazing idea to you, but I mean, honestly. But here, the armies of heaven follow the leader and there is absolutely no danger to anyone serving in the army of Jesus Christ. There's no fear here. Because he's the one fighting the battle. Yeah, there's going to be an awful lot of carnage. There's going to be death and destruction. There's not going to be one surviving member of the army of the opposition at the Battle of Armageddon. Everything is getting wiped out. And Jesus will not lose one soldier. There won't be any ambulance following, no medical corps for the armies of heaven. Because Jesus is doing all the fighting. Does that sound like rest to you? It does to me. Does that sound like let not your heart be troubled? You've got nothing to worry about. You know what? We, could, we, could, we need to get started on that vein right now. So that we'll be prepared to be in His service on that day. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You and we're thankful for all that You have done for us. And we just ask that You would help us to take advantage of these great blessings, these promises that are in Your Word. Lord, we know You're coming back. And we pray that we would be able to surrender our troubled hearts to You. Lord, the things that aggravate us are often so meaningless when we put them in the scope of eternity. Lord, we just ask that you would get the victory in our personal lives. Lord, that we would be able to surrender and completely trust in you. That we would know you so well that there wouldn't be a moment's hesitation of getting out of the driver's seat and remaining in the passenger seat till you come for us. Lord, we, we want you to work. We want you to be honored and glorified in our lives and in our, uh, the ministries that you have given us in our church. Lord, we, we are so unable to do what we need to do. But Lord, we're asking for you to prepare us that we may be your servants. That if it were possible, we could be more ready to serve you in that day because of what we're doing here on earth through your direction and through trusting in you today and tomorrow and this week till Jesus comes. It's in his most precious name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out, spend a few moments at the altar. The altar's open.